Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to The Show on the Road, my music discovery podcast where each Wednesday I take deep dives with some of the greatest songwriters and performers of our generation. My name is Zach Lupiton. If you've listened to all 85 of our episodes and you're not my parents sunning themselves in Florida right now, welcome back. But while I'm stuck at home in my bubble-wrapped back den studio with the crows and the jet planes hollering above me, I normally tour with a roots group called Dust Bowl Revival, and I've been to over 12 countries playing my music for the last 10 years. Deep down, I'm just addicted to great songs. That's why I'm here, to share some of my favorite songs and my favorite artists with you. This week, I place a call to the city of brotherly love to talk to the kinetic pop preacher of the piano, Adam Weiner, who after breaking out of the New York cabaret scene a decade ago, has gained a cult following around the world, fronting his high-energy weirdo white-knuckle soul rock outfit, Low Cut Connie. Let me ask you this real quick. How good is your memory? When was the last time you got up on a stage alone and memorized something, spoke or sang or performed with no script, no safety net, for hours at a time without stop? Performing music of all kinds is a skill. And certain people's capacity for memorizing things, it's incredible. And I'm not just talking about your grocery list or your cousin's kids' names or which president came before Millard Fillmore or Benjamin Harrison. Maybe you were in Shakespeare shows like me growing up. And maybe you still have night terrors about waiting in your green tights backstage as the six-paragraph monologue that you were about to say to a packed house scratches against your eyelids right before the lights hit your sweating face. And indeed, right before you go out there, you think you've forgotten everything and that everyone will laugh at you in that stunned silence. But then, your mouth opens, every eye is on you, and magic pours out of you. I press in here, sir, amongst the rest of the country copulatives, to swear and to forswear, according as marriage binds and blood breaks. A poor virgin, sir, an ill-favored thing, sir, but mine own, a poor humor of mine, sir, to take that no man else will. Rich honesty dwells like a miser, sir, in a poorhouse, as your pearl is a foul oyster. And the crowd applauds, and the pretty girl you have a crush on smiles at you. And you think to yourself, maybe this is my thing. This makes me special somehow. Some people grow up to be football players, or dentists, or paleontologists, or cupcake cafe owners. But me, I think I can remember things. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think you could memorize that one Shakespearean quote? I didn't think so. 
And if you're a piano bar player like Adam Weiner was, like Billy Joel and Elton John and Nina Simone were, toiling away in smoky bars taking requests till dawn, you are asked to use your brain in a way that no other performer, nay, no other human really does. You have to know everything. And as the pandemic forced Adam off the road and into the unknown spiky terrain of the live streamosphere, he knew he would have to harness that piano man superpower one more time. When Adam launched his often twice-weekly vaudevillian interactive web show Tough Cookies from a back bedroom in Philly this March, I bet he could not imagine he'd be playing to so many happy souls week after week this whole year long. Indeed, so many folks have been tuning into these shows that the new Biden administration asked Adam to play him into the new era after the inauguration. Our taping actually had to be delayed several times so we could play for our new president. It's true, some of you may have already heard the name Low Cut Connie because President Obama placed one of his boozy, brawling odes to Philadelphia on his must-listen-to playlist, and he's pretty good at assembling some pretty awesome music. Oh, and Elton John and Bruce Springsteen? They're kind of fans of his, too. As you will hear in our conversation, it takes just a small dash of bravado and balls to be able to remember decades of music and play it joyfully for a waiting audience at all times. Adam has learned nearly 700 covers in this year alone, but that's not what matters to me. What I really love about Adam's work as Low Cut Connie is what I love about all songwriters who put in the time and ferociously make a name for themselves after decades of obscurity. It's his songs. Do I resent waking up at 3 a.m. singing his revolution rock and roll over and over and over? Yes, but this is why I'm here. We don't have any sponsors or celebrity endorsements or network clout on this show. I just love music and I love good songs. And I can't wait to share these songs with you. Thanks again for listening, folks. And while it's been said many times, many ways, please do me a solid and rate this fair program on iTunes. Share this show with your friend. Listen on Spotify. Listen on Stitcher. Help me share more of my favorite music before it's too late and they shut me down. I apologize for the quality of my audio feed later in the episode. Uh, there were some technical difficulties we had to soldier through. Okay, that's it for me. Here he is now, Adam of Low Cut Connie. Okay, would you tell the radio audience who you are, where you are, and what you do? Do I have to? You know, try it. Okay, listen. Radio podcast listeners, this is Adam Lowcut Connie coming at you from South Philly, talking to my good pal from the Dust Bowl Revival, talking on the show on the road show, and I'm happy to be here. What's going on? Yeah, we should just change it to the show on the road show. That would make it even more wordy and weird than it is now. Yeah. So tell us what you did yesterday as we ushered in a brand new president. Yeah, we got asked um, to be part of the inaugural uh, broadcast. So at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern time, the actual official inauguration finished in Washington, D.C. And then... Um, they cut online to a virtual party that was hosted by the Pennsylvania and Delaware uh, Democratic parties, senators. Um, those are Joe Biden's home states, and they asked us to perform. So we did our best, and there were just people all over the world watching, and um, it was quite an honor. It is such a weird time. If you think about it, where you have something like, uh, oh, 
My home studio is falling apart. As <laughs> right now, an inner tube just fell on my head. So, you know, there's oh, shit. that. Have you been tubing? <laughs> we did go to Palm Springs last weekend and we forgot our inner tube, which was just shameful, honestly. Mm. As I was saying, it's a weird time because you have figures like Bruce Springsteen playing this gorgeous set at the foot of Abraham Lincoln uh, yeah. with the National Mall stretched in front of him and no one there. It was like a private Nobody. concert that he was putting on uh, for America. And it was so intimate sure. and so kind of beautiful in its own way. And I think, you know, you've made more than most the best of this terrible situation um, with your uh, Tough Cookies broadcast and bringing people uh, into your little uh, home studio. And I want to just hear a little bit about how you've been uh, sort of creating your own little musical world. Sure. It's funny. Will, he called this our home studio. <laughs> this is my spare bedroom in my house. Good enough. Uh, and this is where uh, 10 months ago, 10 months ago, um, we went live on Instagram and Facebook just just to, you know, we we were like two weeks or less into the quarantine. Right. And uh, people were just depressed, including myself. And um, it's fun. Isn't it cute to think about after two weeks of quarantining, we were like, we can't do this anymore. It's just like, it's too much. Um, but a lot of the fans were like, can you go live and just do something? So we had no plan and we just went live, which I'd never really done a live stream show before. And... By the end of the hour, there were thousands of people watching, and then we did it again, and there were tens of thousands of people watching, and in many countries. And um, the thing is, after a, that first week, it felt like it was such a it was such an energizing experience for everybody. Yeah, to make to do it. Um, for people to view it in their houses and, and in hospitals. This is the thing. There were nurses here in Philly and New Jersey who were, brought, who were broadcasting it uh, in these ICUs. And once I saw that, um, that there were patients and uh, frontline workers uh, who were getting something out of these totally wild, unscripted, performances that we were doing i was like we got to keep this going like this is something we're, we're we're doing something we're resonating with people so, in some kind of way and we're about to do episode 73 um incredible we we have covered over 700 songs <laughs> and and you know the thing is i'm used to getting on stage on tour and playing you know my best 20 songs and then do it, going to another city and doing it again. And so to do this episodic thing where every show is totally different and unrehearsed and I'm covering all kinds of people's songs and doing all these different, you know, it's a variety show. It's not a concert. It's a variety show. Well, you got to mix it up. Keep people yeah, and, uh, intrigued. Well, part of it, if I can be serious about this, is... Why you know the format of the late night TV show, the network TV show, it's a bit dated. Yeah, you think? 
It's not live. And it's not, it, there's a formula that was very cutting edge 60 years ago, and it's not quite, there's not enough air in it now. And so what we do, and I figured this out after the first week, is we have a chance to, in the moment, reflect back for people what they're, what they're going through at that, on that day, that hour. So when we find out that um, Little Richard passed away just a couple hours before the broadcast, we can do an entire Little Richard show that, that day. Um, when Bill Withers passed away that day, we could do a Bill Withers show. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, we could do Kaddish for her. When George Floyd was killed, we could speak to that. Uh, when people need funny, we can be funny. When yeah. people need empathy, we can do that. We can just mirror people's emotions and it's that kind of real-time aspect of the performances that has been very therapeutic for both the viewers and for us. Um, Will Donnelly, who's going to put his face into the camera right now. Get in there, face. Will. <laughs> nice hair. The handsome Will Donnelly, uh, who plays guitar. He plays, stomps his foot on a box and has a tambourine on his foot. He and I... That's it. I mean, it's like a piano, a guitar, a couple of percussion instruments, and uh, a camera. We're not using a microphones. There's no production value. It's just a pure, raw, unscripted piece of performance art. And for some reason, it's resonated with people. Is that piano the upright that you tour with, Chandra? No. Can you hear that? I can. No, Chandra has been retired. Rest in peace. Chandra, we did about five or six years on the road with Chandra. And then now I have Nelly. And Nelly is uh, waiting to go out on the road. But this is my home piano that I've had for like 16, 17 years. And it's never traveled. Do you get up in the morning and 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 like do scales? Like how do you no. get on that piano? No. You start no, learning a new that. cover? <laughs> <laughs> um no, I I actually do singing uh practicing more than piano practicing at this point. Um but I'm a I'm a very very good shitty guitar player. Um, I have no idea how to play guitar. You know, you have, like you said, you play guitar and violin and stuff, but you like playing piano cause you don't really know what you're doing. That's my, you know, my guitar is my sort of side piece instrument that I just, I don't want to necessarily learn how to be good. Um, it's my dirty little secret, you know? Well, I just started, uh, tinkering with one of those you know, MIDI synths, you know, that you can put in your computer. Uh, and I figured out that you can have vibraphone. And I've always loved the sound of, you know, Lionel Hampton or... Absolutely. Uh, you know, those early actually, giants of, of jazz that... Sure. You don't get to hear that instrument anymore. It's such a cumbersome, huge thing that piano players or drummers would play. And you're like, yeah. oh, I could play that on this tiny plastic thing. And it sounds 
huge and beautiful. Yeah. Which I is kind of crazy. Vibraphone on, I play vibraphone on our new album, Private Lives. I played vibraphone on that and our most, and then two albums ago, um, Dirty Pictures Part One. Um, one of the guys in the band played vibraphone on a song. And then there's some vibraphone on our third album on the song Danny's Out of Money. It's one of my favorite instruments. It's very hard to play. Let's go back a little bit. So uh, you start writing songs when? How young? Oh, shit. We're doing this. Um, I wrote... The first song I know I wrote was instrumental. And it was... um, I was about eight, seven. Do you still remember it? Yeah. Yeah, it was just... very sensitive well i'm dark and sensitive it sounds like a jan tiersen piece from like a french film perhaps yeah i was always you know everything i did was dramatic and sad um but then i wrote my first song with words um when i was um about 10 or 11 10 i think and um that was uh Lover. Wait, no, 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 hold on. There it is. Lover. Discover me. There'll never ever be another mystery lady. Yeah, it was like that kind of thing. <laughs> what did you think a lover was when you were 10? Oh, God. I mean... Like someone you again, had a crush was, on? No. I, I Like, I was one of those kids that if I danced with somebody at the dance, you know, if, if they played November Rain and you slow danced with them and you were 10, it's like, you're going to be together forever. <laughs> you're going to get married, yeah. You know, like, that's, this is it. Did you really think that... Yeah, but that's when you feel the most, <laughs> yeah. you know, your feelings, your hormones and your feelings are max, which is is nice in a way, but it's horrible, like a breakup at that time. So, but yeah, lo, I, I was, I wrote like love songs. I was like 10, 11. But not to anyone in particular. I'll, I'll, sh- I'll keep that for myself. <laughs> Well, your new record, uh, Private Lives, there's a song called Now You Know that has this yeah. line that I think it came to me as you were playing that first little instrumental that it's, you know, it's a bad time to be a sensitive child. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it be easier to live and not be uh, have a brooding artistic temperament? It would be easier to not to not be affected deeply by the world and people and suffering and 
empathy is is a hard thing to carry every day for and it's like it can it can be too much so yeah it was a bad time to be a sensitive child it was a bad time What would you be doing if you weren't a musician right now, you think? You know, I had, it's not a hard question because I had day jobs all the way through. And it's only 2015, late, going into 2016 was my last day job. So I have always had day jobs up until I was, until I was 35 years old. And so it's not hard for me to imagine doing other jobs because I did so many and we don't even have time for me to list them all but I was a secretary and a doctor I was terrible at it but I was a secretary in a doctor's (laughs) office I was a teacher I taught uh, homeschooled English and history Um, I was a standardized test tutor um I worked in a vintage clothing store. I was a piano tuner. I taught piano lessons. Uh, Let's see. I did phone banking. Uh, I was a fragrance spritzer in the mall. You know, the people in the mall that try to spray you, spritz you. And now I have and now I have my own fragrance, which is just full circle moment. This is private lives. It's a unisex. uh organic fragrance well when you sweat as much as you do playing live you need to you know stay pleasantly fragranced um i can almost smell it through the the screen oh my god will you smell that what does that smell like uh hope and intrigue and espionage yes it's the smell of hope it's the smell of intrigue. It's the smell of espionage. That's Private Lives, the new unisex organic fragrance by Low Cut Connie. But going back to uh, going back to now, you know, yeah. real quick because I love that song. Um, Thanks. You know, I feel that sort of lonely piano bar scene in that song. You know, where you're hoping that like people will be kind to you and that people will pay attention, but you you don't know if this is going to happen for you, you know? Oh, sure. Well, that's, you know, in addition to all those jobs that I just listed all the way through going back to 18 years old, when I first moved to New York, I was always playing piano in restaurants, bars, cabarets, karaoke bars. Uh, just, I was like one of those piano people. And, um, that was my night gig, you know, and uh, I always was doing that, which was an interesting way to start being a musician. Well, the name you had, I think, when you were playing piano early on, was it Lady Fingers? Did I read that right? 
Yeah. From 2000, not in the beginning, um, when I was 25, I would say 25 to 29, those were my like ladyfingers years. I always got just enough, just a tiny crumbs to keep going, if you know what I mean. It wasn't adding up to anything, but there was always just enough to keep me hooked. Enough encouragement. For most of my adult life, the music I was making, the work I was doing didn't mean a whole hell of a lot to anybody. But then in recent times, it has. And now I see what it can be, what what the value can be. It doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily because um, suddenly I have fans and and make a living. It's I can look back at all those years where I would sit in a bar and play piano and feel completely isolated and like I was a, fre- a freckle on a freckle and it didn't matter to anybody. And now I can see that that wasn't completely correct. Um, and that, you know, we do have the ability to create um, a more tolerable existence for the people around us, right? We can, we can, as I say, change the molecules in the room. You can come into a space and you can affect the space in a way that can make people feel something. That's why they used to call music like in the, in, in Europe in the old days, airs, you know, it's like you're, 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 you're changing the air. Right. And, um, it may be impermanent. It may be just for the moment, like it's there and it's gone. But I see a lot of value to that. Yeah, and I think there is an element of theater to what you create and that you have to be in the room to witness it. Or in the case of your Tough Cookies broadcast, you have to be watching to see what will happen next because you, know, you take your clothes off, you run around the room. Not for you. You're not performing like most people. You know, it's a radio show so people wouldn't be able to really experience it though we are videoing the zoom i guess a little bit but i'm saying is that uh the unpredictableness of your live set makes it a must-see destination right um do you plan your sets when you're playing a, a tour or do you let it flow um i don't like to do anything from a script and I don't love operating from a strict set list. Uh, but sometimes when you're operating with a band, a, a lot of people on stage, and you're performing in front of thousands of people, you know, you got to have some kind of plan. <laughs> you got to have, there's got to be some thread to the whole thing. Um, it's like the difference between being a short order cook and a chef. You, when you go on tour, when I, in the past, when I've gone on tour with the band, you know, you have to, in a way, be a little bit of a chef. You say, you know, th- this, these are my creations and I'm going to share them with you and you're, in, you're here for the menu. But doing these shows, it's been like, I will, whatever you need, I'll get, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? You need, you need fries. You need a milkshake. You need a steak. You need jello. What do you need? I'll do it. I never thought that I would be performing Barry Manilow and Danzig on the same episode 
uh, and singing both of those people's music, but that's the gig. I woke up uh, about 5 a.m. humming your song Revolution Rock and Roll, which I think synthesizes for me what your energy is about going into the universe. Sure. Uh, touch hey, my Will. body, touch my soul. Will you, Will you grab, grab one of my acoustics real quick? I can't contain it. The, like I can't contain it is the main vibe for me, that it's oh. an energy oh. that's within you that you have to get out. Well, I'm sure. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I I I like it too. I'm. I don't think it's bad. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Is that a mahogany Martin? I don't know. Is this a mahogany Martin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Can you hear this? Yeah. I used to be a soldier Now I'm getting older I start to feel so lazy It starts to make me crazy Come on children, rip it up Let the jerk-offs clean it up Touch my body, touch my soul Revolution, rock and roll I didn't warm up, so that was just a little sample That chorus is gold be so I'm a I'm a crank it out type and there are times when you can just make something that's good that people will like but is it actually really good and uh, just a couple times I think I I did one that I really personally thought was was legitimately good and that's one of them when I finished I said that's good There's such a difference between writing a, a song that I hope will resonate with people. Like I was, you were watching the inauguration shit last night. Yeah. And you know, some of it was good and some of it was boring, but it was all, you know, it was, it was a good day. So we were all sort of like, let's just watch and have a good day. But I was watching and I was like, wow, Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Uh, Amazing Grace, um, just a lot of standards. The Nina Simone song, um, the Bill Withers song that they did. These are all songs that um, 
they get repurposed and they get used. Uh, different people sing it. Men sing it. Women sing it. Kids sing it. Funerals, weddings, you know, bar mitzvahs, whatever they use them for. And it's like that's the ultimate goal. You know, if Leonard, when Leonard Cohen wrote Hallelujah, I don't, you know, it's, that's a whole story in and of itself. But slowly that song like built uh, the resonance over years, decades, really. It's like part of the fabric of our existence um, now. Like we can't live without Hallelujah. It's but like, it's a thing that's meant to be performed. Right. Um, many more people know that song because it's performed over and over and over again by zillions of people. I'm sure there's like a seventh grade choir singing it right now with somebody doing sign language. But like not a lot of people listen to Leonard Cohen performing it as much. And that's the beautiful thing is, is it's, um, it entered into the consciousness and, um, that's, that's, that's something that, um, to me, that's, that's the goal, you know? And I've always, like I said, I've always been music first, but I do admire a lot of people that I listen to are the opposite. When I'm thinking about it now, I consider myself a writer first, but I never write a song without the music first. Okay. As in like, I bring the lyrics to a set of chords or a melody. And if I had like a whole set of lyrics without anything under it, I wouldn't know where to start. Like, I don't know how Elton John does it with Bernie Taupin. Like he gets this sort of page of poetry and he goes, okay, tiny dancer. Like, how does he do that? Because that's his process. And he and Elton is like, has no feel for lyrics whatsoever. He's a fantastic interpreter of lyrics, which is why he sings his own songs beautifully and can cover other people's songs beautifully. But he's definitely not a words person, you know. He's a music guy. Um, Have but you spoken the op- to him personally? Yeah, sure. A few times. And we, we met. Uh, you know, I was backstage with him here in Philly two years ago, three years ago. What is he like? The best. The best. Uh, and I met Bernie, too, with him. Um, funny outrageous but also very down to earth like very thought he's been such a supporter of low cut connie like he's he knows you know and he he's plays our songs a lot on his radio show and so you know i met him and he's like oh I, I i saw the rolling stone review last week you're doing it kid you're doing it you know um and we talked about fats domino and you know he's like you know adam you know my my heroes were for the, the the piano people, Fats Domino, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, and I and I said, you know, me too, but I had four; those three plus you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. And we talked about because I had just performed at the Levon Helm House in in Woodstock, so he told me the first time he met Levon and the band, and then he wrote Levon. And then he named his son, his one of his son's middle name is Levon. And it was, we talk, we just talked about music and our pianos. And we talked about Nina, our love for Nina Simone. <clears throat> and um, he's just so fabulous. He's just brilliant. 
quick and generous. I think he's probably the most generous artist. I mean, he's dedicated, you know, he conquered the world with his music and then he raised billions of dollars. He has, continues to raise billions of dollars for to eradicate HIV. I mean, he really set his sights on that and has made such an impact. He has so many uh, permutations to his personality that you'd never... No, he is a brilliant, dynamic person. And, and there are so many artists that once they sort of conquer the world, they get... They chill. Uh, but he doesn't. He's still hungry. He's artistically and creatively hungry. Uh, he and Paul McCartney, Bruce Springsteen are three that come to mind that are just they're they're on a quest they're still trying to write a great song or have a hit or make a great film or do a great concert they they just they don't want to just chill if you could duet with elton right now what song of his would you play a song of his yeah um I'm doing this with just my left hand. When are you gonna come down? When are you gonna land? Can you hear that? Yeah. I should have stayed on the phone. I should have listened to my old man. That's just my left hand. Now you got land forever. Come on, that song is... What a melody. I know, he just comes up with this stuff in like... 20 minutes before breakfast if you read his book You're, like he yes. had uh you know what tiny dancer and was it rocket man it was like two of the most legendary songs that he has he wrote in 15 minutes and then had his toast and then went about his day well i love you know there's this connection artistically between him and bowie uh, for me they they started out at the, around the same time they used a lot of the same personnel in the beginning. And even though their friendship kind of fell off, I feel like there was a real connection, you know, artistically there in that these are two true artists who completely reinvented themselves through their art. Hungry, hungry, artistic temperaments that... One in a much more commercial way than the other, sure. But both, you know, just truly always exploring who they are and 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 the possibilities of who they could be. I think there's something that Elton does, even in that opening refrain that you played, that you maybe do subconsciously, especially with a song like Stay As Long As You Like, uh, the last track off the new record, uh, private lives where it's like a theatrical melancholy you know it's like capturing this moment of sadness but transforming it into something that we can all kind of feel together you know or that um you're reaching out to someone and you, we can like feel you reaching out to someone oh, who to be able to thank stay. you i feel it coming You hit the ceiling 
You know, that I do think that is the best song on that album. I'm proud of Private Lives. There's 17 songs, and I'm proud of them all in different ways. But I do think that that song, Stay As Long As You Like, is the one where um, when I finished it, from when I finished writing it, that was the one that I said, that that's good. We recorded it a couple different ways. But then I circled back to that first uh, live performance, and that's what we put on the album. You know, we, we added some to it, but that was me performing it in front of an audience for the first time. And uh, it was just so fresh. But this is this will sound strange, but I listen to a lot of old uh, Louisiana music. I'm fascinated by... Um, Cajun and Zydeco and, and just like the music of it from Louisiana from like the early 20th century. Yeah. Such, such it's such a crazy mix of of uh ethnic groups and musical styles. You know, but from the Caribbean influence to the French influence to the kind of hillbilly influence and the little bit of the German uh accordion stuff coming in and it's like such a weird mix. And um, there's well, a microcosm art- of American history in a way. Sure. Well, speaking of that Cajun energy, I wanted to ask you about this song, Little Queen of New Orleans. From sure. High Honey record. Um, it's like if like Lou Reed went down to New Orleans and created sure. a song about, um, you know, a kid who likes wearing his sister's dresses in Texas yeah. and doesn't have it easy. But I think... Again, it captures these two worlds colliding in a way that I love. Well, you nailed it. I mean, I was going to say earlier, Lou Reed is a very big uh, influence and somebody I'm constantly learning something from and fascinated by. where it blossomed from well I just had this just that you know and um it just went from there. That was an easy song, actually, very easy. I had this experience years ago when I was Ladyfingers years where I, t- I played at this place called the Hi-Ho Lounge, in, uh, which I think is in the Ninth Ward. I think it's still there. And uh, there was, like, nobody there to see me. I remember the sound man had a machete. It was, you know, a dangerous time in New Orleans. 
I performed in the in a stripper cage. Wow. Because they had they had strip strippers that would perform there, and there were like eight people, ten people. They were all bored watching me, and I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take my shirt off and do my set in the stripper cage. And the next morning, I was having breakfast with my friend who lives in New Orleans. And at the next table was a very square-looking, middle-aged white gentleman dressed very well uh, with a younger, black, trans individual. Gorgeous, very striking person. And they were having a romantic breakfast. They seemed very much in love. And uh, first of all, God bless New Orleans. It's just the most open-minded city, probably in North America. And uh, les bon temps roulés, as they say. But I remember looking at that, and something about that sort of stuck in my brain. It was such a beautiful sight over breakfast. And uh, I guess that ended up in the song. I think there's this movement happening right now that a lot of artists uh, don't know that they're contributing to, and it's creating what I hope will be a new classic rock, right? Like a new uh, golden age of like roots rock pop that we had for probably 15 to 20 years from like early 60s Beatles Dylan to maybe like... 1980 when it started maybe going more into just pop synth disco mayhem but that era is such a wellspring of just incredible music and i feel like there's artists now that maybe exist accidentally in the americana sphere or Mm. um you know alt rock whatever the hell you call it um but they're creating something that uh has that same timelessness. And I think you're in that uh, movement, whether you <laughs> thank you know it well, or not. And that I feel like a song like uh, Dirty Water that you did from uh, Dirty Pictures Volume 1, it can mm-hmm. be like, uh, basically like bang a gong, you know, like sort of this just like blissfully uh, defiant rock and roll anthem of just letting loose and it's something that like oh well that just exists in the 60s and 70s but you're doing it now as this jewish kid in philadelphia you know and that feels like something that could exist in any era which i feel like is what the best part of quote-unquote classic rock is something that you create you know thank you i'm not sure if i agree because i don't i'm so used to being a little occult artist that you know operates outside of the commercial mainstream not necessarily willfully either it's not like I didn't try uh it just like um you know I never got signed to a label I uh, still I I run my own label because and it wasn't out of entrepreneurial spirit. It was out of desperation. Nobody would sign Low Cut Connie. Uh, we got turned down by every label, big and small. 
um, up until I started Contender Records a few years ago. Um, and yet now there's a lot of fans and we get a lot of radio play and a lot of support. It's just the industry itself didn't know what to do with us. And so I just keep my head down and do what I want to do. And sometimes it's in once in a blue moon, it's in fashion and otherwise it's usually out of fashion. Um, retro, 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 retro. And then all of a sudden people say, well, this is exactly the sound of 2020 or whatever. In a year from now, they'll say retro, retro, retro. It's fine. I hope you're right that this is part of some sort of bigger trend to rock and roll or, you know, soul music in the in a in a in a bigger way. But I don't know if I get my hopes up, I don't I'll, it'll, it'll hurt too much if I find out that's not true. there was a way for uh uncategorized music like yours which is my favorite music honestly the stuff on this podcast that i do exists in that gray area a lot of the time because that's the music sure. that i love most is stuff that yeah maybe is rooted in blues and and folk music and uh rock and roll but it's a little bit of everything that's what makes american music the most powerful music in the world. Ain't that America? You and me, baby. Ain't that America? Um, yo, you're right. Um, but I'm not trying to be dead anytime soon. And knock on wood. And uh, this is you're explaining why my entire career uh, strategy is to never have a hit because. Uh, if I don't peak, then I won't get the backlash. You know, if if your air supply and you have a couple monster hits, then then you're gonna end up at the state fair and the casino circuit because you you're you're sort of tattooed to 1983. And um, Will and I know if we never peak and we never have a hit, which we probably never will, then. Nobody will ever say, well, that's so 2019. Uh, and the odds are that we won't have a hit. We certainly haven't had a um, legitimate commercial hit. And um, but you don't need you don't necessarily need that type of hit. I think now I think you have songs that some somehow take on a life of their own. Like, I bet you didn't think that boozophilia would be chosen by Obama as one of his favorite songs of the year. That doesn't make any sense sometimes. Like things just trickle to the top uh, by sure. dumb luck, by happenstance. Uh, well, I'll and tell someone, you that like Obama song finds that song. 
that's and it's funny because he put Boozophilia on his playlist uh, three years after it was released, and I was a couple records past, right? And it's so implausible that he would choose a low cut Connie song for his playlist, but it was extra implausible that he would choose a song called Boozophilia. You know, like like that. That was that was, that, that was crazy. But it was sort of a full circle moment yesterday. Performing, being asked to perform Boozophilia for the Biden Harris inauguration. It was like, wow, this song continues to resonate with some people. Still, like, shows you, like, don't have a hit because I can, people can discover us as if we're new forever. I talked to uh, Nicole Atkins on this uh, program sure. about three months ago. One of Good my pal. favorite. Good pal. Favorite records of the last 10 years. I think her record, Italian Ice, that came out last year. Um, but it's funny because you're from New Jersey also originally, right? Absolutely. Look at me. <laughs> There's this like theatrical chip on the shoulder vibe of like a, of like New Jersey born artists. Am I wrong? What am I going to say? What do you want me to say? <laughs> Are you proud to be from New Jersey? Oh, a hundred percent. It's an, it's an attitude. It's a life it's a it's a spirit. It's a fuck you too, and it's a motivator because everybody shits on Jersey. I live in Philly. I love Philly. Philly shits on Jersey. New York loves New York lives to to shit on Jersey and the country and the world. And I got it in my bloodstream. It's like an attitude, and it's a I'm gonna show you. It's a serious I'm going to show you. Um, no mystery as to why so many great artists are from New Jersey. And let me just say real quick, Bruce Springsteen, of course, but Patti Smith, Queen Latifah, Frank Sinatra, Frankie Valli, on and on are just, it's just like a insane. The Misfits, Bon Jovi, so much hip-hop came from new jersey so much punk so much rock and roll so much jazz like north jersey was the seat of jazz in a lot of ways back in the day and um also comedy john stewart was the bartender at city gardens in trenton right like we all grow up in jersey with this thing of you're, you know, you'll never make it and you're not good enough and nobody gives a shit about you. And some of us, and Nicole is a, is a hustler like me, kindred spirits, um, we just try to get out there and do the work. That's this thing about Springsteen and Patti Smith. They're like work worker bees. 
You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're dedicated to their craft. They're not New Yorkers. And I lived in New York for 13 years and I love New York, but the people, a lot of the artists that come from New York city have this, um, like born and raised have a different kind of attitude about art it, that it's the, it's more the affect and the style that you, that you create, but not necessarily this craftsman work ethic thing behind it. Look at the strokes, whether you like the strokes or not, that was a band that came out and said, we we're, we're great. We think we're great. You should think we're great. And if you don't, whatever. And it, when people are over us, whatever, we'll go on vacation. Bruce, Patty Smith, Queen Latifah. These are, these are like, these people are just like, they're on a quest. They're going to make it happen. They're going to ha- make it happen over and over and over and over again and get better and better and better and better and better at what they do. Speaking of Jersey, um, one last track I want to ask you about was the tune, what they did from the new record um, about the sort of, you know, destruction of Atlantic City that Trump and others uh, brought to it from their bad dealings and their bad sure. behavior. Um as we bid farewell to this despicable era that we just went through with Trump. I hope, I hope. Um, does that, does that song have new meaning to you? It's funny. I didn't write it to be a Trump song or anything. Um, I say in the song, maybe one day there'll be a different way of life. Maybe it'll change the game, but at the end of the day, it probably still stays the same. You know, that could be true forever. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's about Atlantic City, et cetera, but it's just, uh, I'm, you know, I tried to write something that'll, I'll, I'll always be able to sing it. I'll always be able to relate to it because there's injustice, there's poverty, there's struggle, and that will never change. Creatures get the shit end of the stick. Dark features get you shot in the head. They screw you all of your life and even after you're dead. Maybe one day there'll be a different way of life. Maybe it'll change the game. But at the end of the day, it probably still stays the same. Look at what they did to the people Look at what they did to the town Look how they built up the dream And now they're tearing it down They always gave us a hard time And baby, you know We did the best that we could But when you look at what it did to the children Baby, you know it doesn't sit with me good As someone who I think has a musical sponge for a brain 
that can react in real time to the stimuli that's coming fast and furious at you. I want to do this creative exercise real quick that okay. um, I do sometimes with artists that I think you'd be perfect for. So I'll do my best. I'm going to say uh, the following word or phrase. And the first thing, yeah, the first thing that comes in your brain on the piano, just play it. Okay. Don't even think about it. All right. So okay. I'm going to say the first thing is mountain stream. Mountain stream. Thank you. All right. The next one is grandma's cooking. Grandma's cooking. My grandma's cooking. Ooh. good cook my grandmother used to make these uh stuffed cabbage things they're called prakas it's like uh kind of like a big meatball wrapped in cabbage and a sort of sweet tomato sauce very i don't know it's like jewish soul food all right the next phrase is zydeco breakdown entire album just off the top of your head <laughs> sure um all right last one is punch to the heart appreciate you doing this and uh i don't care that people can't categorize you i think <laughs> that is the best part about the category you're in thank you brother man i really enjoyed the conversation and let's do it again i wish you health success all the things and we'll link up when it's safe to do so and to all your listeners thanks for listening you have been listening to the show on the road because you are smart and you got good taste and you're cute. Is there a full song that you would want to either play or present from your new record to take us out? 
Okay, I'll play a little a little bit. And well, this is still recording, right? Yeah. Okay. Um It's called Take a Little Ride Downtown. Everybody's telling me what to do. Everybody's telling me to pull myself through. I got dust on my eyes and my ear to the ground. They say, you can shake it out. Take a ride downtown. We can break it out. You just take a little ride downtown. Mackenzie stretches in a Chelsea hotel. The shepherds bush, they start ringing a bell. Fifty bucks later, they start coming around. They say, we're going to strip you down. Take a ride downtown We can break it out We'll just take a little ride downtown Woo! Take a ride downtown, yo, yo, no. We can break it out. We'll just take a little ride downtown. Dyslexic prick, he's got me back on the juice. They drew my blood and now I got no excuse. They took my voice and beat me pound for pound and say, Gonna strip you down. Take a ride downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna break you down. We'll just take a little ride downtown. There he goes now. Adam from Low Cut Connie, everybody. You can go to lowcutconnie.com for his newest record. It's called Private Lives. Check it out. It is awesome. And just about every week, he does an incredible live stream. Uh, It's an event that you kind of have to see to believe. It's called Tough Cookies. Crazy celebrities and artists of all stripes come on board each week. And uh, he plays everything under the sun. He's like the Jerry Lee Lewis of our crazy pandemic. So check it out, uh, lowcutconnie.com for more. If you're curious what my band Dust Bowl Revival has been up to, please check out our YouTube page, our Facebook page, our Instagram page. We're always posting some fun new videos and stuff to check out. And I hear there's going to be some festivals and shows booking in the fall, Uh, maybe even something in Colorado on Memorial Day weekend. So check out our page, DustBowlRevival.com, for details. If you want to hear previous episodes of this fine show, there are 84 of them. Please check out our website, showontheroadpodcast.com, or our Instagram, where there's really cool exclusive videos that I share of me talking to artists like Adam and Lokut Connie. As always, this episode was written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupatin, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. 
We'll be back with riveting new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a fine review. That's it for me. Stay safe, stay creative, and we'll see you on the trail. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!